The great word that dominates this gospel is that word remain, to remain, to stay, to remain and not to make a movement that detaches us uh, from that belonging to Christ. And this is the thing that I'd like us to try to understand this morning. What is the, what does this remaining mean and what does it produce? Because the other implication of today's gospel is that there is a fruitful way of living life and a non-fruitful way of living life. And that fruitful way of living life is in, uh, intimately connected with this remaining. Remaining in Christ, what does remaining in Christ mean? It means embracing that form of life which Christ has proposed to us. Uh, the, that form of life which is a belonging. It is a belonging within a great community, a great ecclesia, a great, a great convocation of people who are called by the Lord to live and belong to him, to live in him, and to derive the life from him. It is a community that spreads across the face of the earth and into which we come by the grace of our baptism. As the opening prayer of today's Mass said, it asked that we who are baptized, that we who, to, who have received this gift of belonging, this gift of new life uh, from Christ, that we may live in it always and so come to the fullness of that life which the Lord has prepared for us. Uh, this belonging which was given to us in our baptism is the belonging to a very concrete and real people. Um, Saint, uh, or Paul, um, Blessed Paul VI called it a ethnic people sui generis, by which he meant that we, are a, we really are a, a people, a people of its own kind, you know, its own sort of people. And it is the people that live the life of the communion, which we call the church. Because the church is that event, that, that reality in the world, which Christ created so that you and I could live exactly this. The church has no other purpose than being the place in which we can live attached to the vine that gives us life. Um, the church has that purpose. And in living in communion, with the church and our brothers and sisters uh, in baptism, which is what the church is. The church is the communion of the baptized. The church isn't the, the structures that support it, although those structures that support it are part of its life, and we have to honor and accept them also. Um, but it, the church in its essence is the communion of the belonging, the fact that you and I are not strangers the fact that you and I belong to each other, the fact that we belong to each other, not in a bond that is made by blood uh, or even by friendship, but in a bond that is made by our gaze focused in Christ, ultimately by our reception of the Eucharist. When two of us come up the altar, the, the, the communion line together, or sit together in the pew, when we go through the pews, as we're doing right now, um, when two of you, even if you're complete strangers to each other, even if you have no idea who the person beside you is, the fact is that in that, in that amen, in that embrace of Christ, there is a communion. 
between the two of you, which is of, of extraordinary power. It is the divine communion. It is the communion that unites us with God himself, giving us a share even in his very life in that sanctifying grace which illumines our hearts and makes us true. And therefore, we are more one, we, we belong more to one another than uh, even those closest to us in the relationships of blood. And please God, by the grace of matrimony, by the grace of baptism, in our, in our marriages and in our homes, this fundamental unity is, is underlies uh, the natural bonds of unity that make us one. This is the place of remain. Remain means remain here. It means remain in this communion. It means remain faithful to this form of life, to this way of living. It means keep coming to Mass. You could reduce it in, in, with, without much damage to the concept if you just were to take it as meaning. Remain faithful to the Holy Mass come to Mass every Sunday and do your best to be able to receive Holy Communion, either by avoiding any serious sin or if, as we are weak human beings and the Lord knows our weakness, by using the sacrament of confession so that we can come together and say that amen that generates in the world a new people, a new people. And then this new people this new people can become what it is, the hope of the world. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. This is, this, is, this is a deep and profound reality that what we build, what we build, what we make, what we generate, unless it is of this communion, it ultimately is, de is destined to become dust. The romantic poets of the late 1800s would visit Rome and Greece, uh, Athens, and, and, and they'd look at these marvelous ruins and they'd contemplate the fact that they are ruins. I don't know if someday people will come hundreds of years from now and look at the ruins of the great cities of North America when maybe our new cities are somewhere else in some other place. But the fact is that that which is built not of God ultimately blows away in the dusts of time. It may be a thousand years, maybe two thousand years, but ultimately no one can stop that 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 dissolving that dissolving um, force of time, except this belonging, because in this belonging is born the one thing that is permanent. And that one thing that is permanent is love. Only love endures, St. Paul tells us. The, the works of love are eternal works. Even the smallest work of love, even the smallest work of love is something that is eternal because it is a, an act that, 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 that expresses the life of God. It expresses the life of God in us. And therefore, our lives need, that this is the fruitfulness of which Jesus speaks. The fruitfulness of which Jesus speaks is this, because everything else will go away. 
Everything else will dissolve ultimately by the forces of time, but love will endure. I think I've told you before of that famous image that uh, the theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar uses for the final judgment, just to kind of give an initial idea about what the final judgment is. He imagines an x-ray screen that you walk behind. And you know, you may be seen it in comics where the figure is walking along. And when they pass behind the x-ray screen, you see this little skeleton walking along. And then they come out the other side and you see the whole person again. So he imagines a thing like that. He imagines that the judgment, he imagines God the Father sitting on his throne, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and watching this screen. And each one of us in our turn has to walk behind that screen. But instead, this, this particular screen, instead of having the characteristic of dissolving the soft tissue and revealing the skeleton, this particular screen has the ability to dissolve everything that is not love. Everything in the person that is not love becomes invisible. And only that which is love is visible as we walk behind the screen. And God the Father just watches this, and he sees who we are, who we are when we're behind that screen. The saint, of course, would be the one who, when they walk behind that screen, there's almost no difference between what you see before they pass behind the screen and whatever, and what you see when they're right behind the screen, because everything in them is being transformed by love, has been transformed by love. We are called to this. That's the life to which we are called. We are called to be ones who, when we walk behind that screen, we remain perfectly intact because everything within us is transfer transformed by love. If we are careless, if we are distracted, if we don't pay attention to the journey of life and to that cultivating work of grace in our souls, cooperating with it, allowing it, allowing those promptings of the Holy Spirit, allowing those inclinations in us to love and serve. If we ignore those, then slowly but surely, we develop a, a figure that when it passes behind that screen will be sort of fragmented, will be sort of fragmented. And you'll see a little bit here and a little bit there, but you might not even be able to make out the person at all. My friends, remain. The reason that Jesus stresses in this gospel, remain, is precisely because we are not the ones who are able, we are not able to transform our whole self in love. But he is. This grace which he gives us is. This communion is the place in which we can receive that life that will truly transform us entirely into love. And as I've always said, anything else is simply unacceptable. Not unacceptable to God, unacceptable to us. Unacceptable to us. We are made for this. Let us hurry along that road and let us pay attention and let this Eucharist, which we'll receive momentarily from the Eucharist, truly accomplish its work. Any one reception of the Eucharist could do it all, could do it all, if we would let it. Let us ask, 
that we may remain, that we may remain, and that this central gesture of our remaining, which is the sharing in the banquet of Christ, the agape feast, that this agape being the pure love of God, this agape feast in which he invites us to agape, that this, let us ask, that this, that we may allow the sources of grace which God is giving us to accomplish in us the great work of our salvation. And above all, as the priest says always before he receives communion, never let us be separated from you. The priest, one of those priests that the priest bows down and puts his fingers on the altar and he says, he says, um, I can't remember the prayer now if I was saying the mass would come to me, but we ask that the prayer, that, that, that through this Holy Eucharist, we may be ever united to him and never let me be separate. The last words in that prayer are, never let me be separated from you. That's what this, these readings today are about. Never let me be separated from you.